Well, friends, my name is Austin. I am one of the pastors here. And one of the things that is unique to us uh, at Pine Lake is that we really believe that we want to find and follow Jesus together. And so we take that togetherness really serious. And so we uh, put a, a segment of our worship uh, on pause for a moment. Actually, we like continue our worship, but focusing on getting to know one another. So we call this like our relational time, which is an invitation for you to get up, uh, to go grab some coffee, some tea, some donuts. Um, and then as you go, um, get to know one another by asking questions. Um, and so the way that we do that is we give you a prompt so that you're not so worried. And I know a lot of you. And so if you tell me something different, ooh. I got a lot of open slots this week for appointments. Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, but so as you go, uh, describe yourself in three words. I know it's hard, but sum your whole existence up in three words. Uh, we'll see you back in five minutes. Well, friends, that, that's your, that's your cue. Um, I love that you are talking about, uh, your three words. I know that a lot of you are saying like three words. I need like three days to talk about this. Um, but as we are coming back, um, we are in the midst uh, of a series uh, called The Way of Jesus. Um, and we, this comes off of a place of, uh, for us as a church at Pine Lake, that we really do believe in finding and following Jesus together, which means that that we are looking to Jesus who is, um, who is the way and that we want to pattern our lives after the way. Um, and so we really do this year talk about taking seriously the call to be disciples or apprentices after Jesus. And what that means for us, if you're visiting for the first time, um, is that we talk about three little paradigms about discipleship and apprenticeship after Jesus. Um, it's be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. And really it's those three things that as we are with him, as we practice the presence of God in our life, that we are just with him, that he wants to be with you, uh, that we focus on just spending time every day in his presence, practicing his presence. And then as we are with him, we become like him. And our desire is not just to be with him, but become like him so that we look at who Jesus is and that we are starting to form our life and the way we live, the way we think, the way we talk in becoming like him. And so we do that, and we're going to talk about this a lot um, this year, is we adopt the practices of Jesus, which then forms our becoming. And then lastly, we do what Jesus did. Uh, really, Jesus' strategy is that we want to not be, be with him, become like him, and then we want to eat with people that are both disciples and people that are far from God. And so this is what it means for us as disciples. And so we thought, like, how do we move from there into actually teaching um, what Jesus says a disciple is? And so we're sitting in the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew 5 through 7. Uh, and we're talking this morning about the other side of salt and light. So Jesus talks about light. And these last two years uh, coming um, to Seattle, we moved here in December. And I will tell you that was um, pretty daunting because the sun goes down really early and comes up really late, right? Like my kids ask the question, is does the sun exist here? <laughs> and for a couple of days, I'm not going to lie, I was like, I don't know. We're going to do like a little science fair project if the sun actually does exist. Um, but it was really this, um, just this fun experience. But um, not only that, is in the last couple of years, we started to camp more. And I don't know if you go camping, but one of the wonderful things about camping is at, at night, you get to still run around late after the sun goes down. But if the sun goes down, right, and it, what happens? Darkness comes. 
right? And so you need to operate in the darkness. And so the way that you find light on campgrounds uh, is, is obviously I love the campfires, right? The, the orange and yellow glow of how beautiful it is. And then, right, if, then you have like the electricity in the bathhouses. If you get a campsite by a bathhouse, uh, you're doing it wrong. If you're just doing it wrong, I'll just tell you. It's a little PSA for you. Uh, find one away. You might have to walk a little bit. But on that walk, it's important. Like you have, you see people with lanterns, flashlights, uh, nightlights. Man, we can't, we have to bring a nightlight even camping because our kids, like, when you turn out the lights camping outside, what happens? It's so dark. Like, it's a, like just disorienting dark. And so we have a nightlight. Um, and, but it was just interesting that if you um, see how light plays in that darkness. And uh, my wife and I took uh, physics of light. And we really heard this one phrase that really just stuck with me. Is that darkness is just the absence of light. That, that darkness is just the absence of light. So what are we called to? If Jesus calls himself the light of the world, what does that mean for us? And so our big idea this morning that we want to talk about is that as we find and follow Jesus together, light the way. Like in a world where Jesus calls us to be the light of the world, as he is the light of the world, we are to light the way. And so this morning I want you to, to open uh, your Bibles, whether it's physical or digital, um, to Matthew chapter 5. Uh, we'll be starting in verse 14, and uh, it's always good to have it, to look at it, to see the context that comes before and after. Um, and so join me uh, in reading this. I only have one verse on there, and so you have to listen to the rest. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify the Father in heaven. Friends, you are the light of the world. So if we are right now, Jesus is proclaiming an identity and a purpose for you as light of the world. What does that mean for you? We're going to go through a couple things like two don'ts and a do. And the first don't that we talk about is don't hide or absorb the light. You know what also is a don't do? Don't give a, a five and under a flashlight camping because they'll shine it in your face and you'll be blind. Like that's another don't. Like you give my son the mag light that can go for like a hundred feet and it's like, boom, you'd be like, I can't see anything for three days. Um, but so yeah, don't also point your light in people's faces. But really like this idea that Jesus talks about is this, I, this he says, we are the light of the world. And the first thing that he says is don't hide it and don't put it under something. Right? And I think, you know, that warning that, that we need to listen to is that when you say, like, don't hide it, don't absorb it, don't put it under something, is that Jesus understands that, that when we call ourselves followers of Jesus or disciples of Jesus, or a word that is a little bit more, like, um, not as, as a positive, is we call ourselves Christians, that that may be an association with places that you don't want to be associated with. And so that your ability to, to be a follower of Jesus, uh, your desire, and sometimes maybe that stinking like fear is to hide it because you don't want to be associated with things. Like Jesus knows this intimately because as he taught, as he said, I am the way, the truth, and life, the things that he claimed and he was got him killed. Like that, even that place of he's telling them to gather together to hold up in a house before the Holy Spirit comes to not give up hope, but wait for the Holy Spirit who will empower you, not call you to hide. 
And so we know that our lives, as we are the light of the world, as we shine for others, there is this propensity to maybe hide because of our association or the things that we say that we believe might come under attack or be association. But don't only so do that, but don't also put it under something where the light absorbs. Like one of the the things that we uh, need to kind of reorient ourselves as a church is that Christianity— being a disciple of Jesus, an apprentice after Jesus, was never meant to be an individual practice. That it wasn't just a, a spiritual um, exercise that you do with yourself by reading your Bible and praying and then having this holy moment with you and then you hold that into a, a place where you do your quiet time or in your home and then you go off and you leave it back. The Bible knows nothing of this solitary religious experience that all of human history has been uh, using the people of God, Israel, and then now all of those who are disciples and apprentices to show the way of Jesus, to be a light to the nations, to be a source back to the one who created you, who named you, who made you, who gives you identity, meaning, and purpose. This is discipleship. This is being the light of the way. It doesn't mean shining by yourself and hiding or absorbing it. It means putting it. He says this, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither people light a lamp or put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone. Friends, our call as light of the world is not just know and absorb and say, we have the light and I hope you, the light and we hope you figure it out. That Jesus proclaims a statement that you are the light of the world. So don't do these two things that keep it to yourself. It's not why Jesus came. He came so that all might know, not just a few. And so the other don't that he talks about, and we talk about being, if you're not going to hide it, if you're not going to absorb it, also don't shine alone. Shine together. Shine together. Like, I don't know, one of my favorite things growing up is that we would take a, a road trip um, a couple times a year from Dallas to Amarillo. I was born in Amarillo. If you have no, no context of where that is in Texas, that's a right. It's about a five and a half hour trip northeast. And what happens is in the first two hours, you go through some kind of big mid-sized cities. And then after that, you get into nowhere. You go through small towns and the only lights you see if you're speeding through town are red and blue. And you don't want to see those. And I saw a couple of them, uh, honest moment. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you on the small towns, you like, the town appears and you go through it before you even notice it. But then as you get towards uh, Amarillo, a medium-sized town, my favorite thing is uh, sitting in our um, baby blue 1990s Dodge Caravan with the bench seats, sitting in the middle and watching. As you get close to the town, as you get close to Amarillo, is that lights start popping up on the horizon. Because in Texas, you can see for miles in all directions. And so the lights pop up one by one. And then as you get closer, all the horizon starts to light up. And you know you're getting close. And then all of a sudden, as you get closer and closer, the light gets more intensified, and then you get lost in it. 
The beautiful thing about shining together is that not only you can see it on the horizon, not only you can see it from a distance, but then you get lost in the midst of it and you don't feel like you're in the darkness. Those things about the small towns is that you drive through it and you feel like you're the only light in that whole city. Your headlights are the only thing that are lighting the way. And sometimes in life that we feel like as Jesus calls us to be the light of the world, that we do so in such an individualistic nature that we feel like we're making no headway in being the light of the world because we're doing it alone. I remember being in school as a teenager, going to church, going to youth group, and then our youth pastor would encourage us uh, to share Jesus, to be the light of the world, and it felt such a lonely place because you walk through uh, a school um, of a couple thousand people, and all of a sudden you feel like you're the only one. And then you do something, and you join a, a Christian club where there's other followers of Jesus, and you don't feel so alone anymore. Like joining Fellowship of Christian Athletes, knowing that there were other uh students and peers that were followers of Jesus that also played other sports, that we could live out our faith in, amongst each other. And in doing so, we didn't feel so alone. And that when we, when we were shining and being the light of the world in our little spheres of influence, whether that's sports or in school, that we found that it was easier when we did it together because we didn't feel like it was all on our shoulder. That together we were able to show the way of Jesus. And that together we held the light that shined towards Jesus. I wonder, friends, how much if we, what our neighborhoods would look like, if instead of feeling like you are the sole person that is meant to win your neighbors for Jesus, or however you want to say that, or maybe in your workplace or in schools, that you felt like you're the only one. What would it look like if you went into your neighborhood and into your workplace and into your school, and you found other disciples, apprentices of Jesus, and that you got together and said, hey, let's point the way to Jesus together. Let's not do it in isolation, but let's do it together so that Jesus may get the glory through our lives. That They don't just see one of us, but they see all of us. And in the same way that, like driving on the horizon, they not only see us from a distance, but when they get close to us, they get lost in the light. They get lost in Jesus so that they might find him. So if we're not supposed to, if we don't absorb it, we don't hide it, we don't do it alone, what does that mean for us? I've been thinking a lot about this light and um, what happens when the sun goes down and darkness appears. And talking about camping, I don't know if you've ever done this, but a lot of times you go camping uh, to be in the dark, to look up and to see the stars. But have you ever experienced being out um, in a place where there's not a lot of like ambient light around the city, but being and walking in a, in, in a full moon? You don't need a flashlight. You don't need a lantern. Like this last year, we were walk, we were getting ready to do our nightly routine, going to brush our teeth, do a safety potty, because um, nobody wants to walk back in the dark uh, all the way to the latrine in the middle of the night. Nobody wants to do that, so we do a safety potty. But in this moment, we were getting all of our lanterns and our flashlight. The kids love this walk. And then all of a sudden, we get we step outside and we get on the road, and it is bright. The full moon, which is reflecting the light that comes from the sun, is so enormous and so big that it looks like you can see everything. You don't need it. And it was this weird moment that was not just weird, but it was like awe-inspiring. 
that when the moon in its fullness is reflecting the sun, you don't need anything extra to see the way. And so our call as disciples of Jesus, that Jesus is the light of the world, and he calls us to be the light of the world, so be the moon. Be the moon and reflect the blank that comes from him. That in your life, as, as Jesus is the sun, he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, that we are called to be the moon. If he is the sun, that we are the moon. And I want to reflect the love that comes from him. Jesus himself ends, the te- ends this uh, kind of discourse on salt and light this way. And I love it. Three words, or four words. In the same way. Jesus is referring to this to himself. In the same way that I am about to show you disciples what it looks like to do all of the kingdom uh, life with the characteristics and the, the character of the king and the identity of the kingdom and the king. I'm about to show you all those things. In the same way as I show you those things. In the same way. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. In the same way that our being with and our becoming like and doing what Jesus did are the good deeds that point back to him, not to us. Is that when you understand a little bit of the science that works on a full moon and why it gets so bright, it's not so much that we get astonished at the moon, but we get astonished at the sun and its ability to give us light in the midst of darkness. And Jesus is saying the same way, the same way that he is the light of the world. When he came and he entered in the form of a human being and of a baby, and then he brought light and hope into the world in the same way, in the same way as you walk into the world that is dark, that you provide hope and light. You are not the light, but you provide light to the world. Do you know that? That you are the light. You are the hope. That points to Jesus. You are sometimes the first Jesus that people ever experience. And all you are is a reflection. You are a reflection of the goodness of the Son, the goodness of Jesus. If he is the Son, my desire is to be the moon. To reflect the hope that comes from him. And that hope for you, maybe you don't know Jesus and you're trying to find out who he is. You're trying to find and follow him. And that hope says that whatever is happening in your life, your life and whatever is happening in the circumstance of the world doesn't have the final say. Whatever season you might find yourself in isn't the final word. Your worst moments isn't the final say on your life. But the hope of Jesus Christ that is reflected through the people of God reflects the hope that we have in him. And in the same way, if he is the son and I want to be, I want to reflect the grace and the mercy that comes from him, that though I don't deserve, I don't get what I deserve, that as I look at the son, I don't get what I deserve, you're full of grace and full of mercy. And in the same way that he gives me grace and mercy, I don't give people what they deserve. 
because I've accepted his grace and his mercy that I stood before um, in, in sin and I stood before in separation of God and Jesus took my place, anoint, atoned my sin so that I might be in relationship with him. He extends grace and mercy, not giving me what I deserve and in the same way, be the moon that reflects the grace and mercy that comes from him in all people that you meet. If he is the son then I want to be a peacemaker. That I want to go around and not just keep the peace. That Jesus didn't just say, you know, if you finally do it right, or if you do it the way that I want you to do by the law, if you would just do it, then there would be peace between you and I. No, but Jesus moved heaven and earth to come and to make peace, not only with the people of Israel, but with Gentiles, you and me. That he didn't say, no, those people are kept out because they are apart from me. No, Jesus calls us to reflect and say, those people in our life that we want to keep at bay and just keep peace like with and have good fences that make good neighbors. Just as he moved past the barrier, that we move past the barrier and create peace with people who are those people. Because you were once those people. And in the same way that he is the sun, I want to be the moon. I want to reflect the presence, the amazing available presence that Jesus was when he was on earth, that nobody was a bother to him. Whether it be child, whether it be sick, whether it be paralyzed, whether it be a Roman, one of those people, that Jesus was radically available with his presence. I want to be the moon. I want to be in the same way that Jesus was radically available to me. I want to be available to others. And if he is the son, I want to reflect the love that comes from him. The moment that you realize you don't dare deserve the love that comes from him. You haven't done anything to earn it. You haven't made the first step to make it right. There's nothing that you could do. And yet, Jesus, as you stood there in opposition to him, that he moved first. So that you might not just like jump through the hoops which gets you back into a relationship. That he jumps to you and says, I'm going to bridge the gap between us and I'm going to move to you and not saying, here's my list of requirements so that this relationship can be reestablished. He says, no, I'm coming to you. You don't deserve this. You don't, haven't even earned it, but I'm going to move towards you so that you know one thing, that my love for you is unconditional. No matter what you do from now for the rest of your days, Jesus is the one who bridges the gap. And in the same way, in a world that needs it so bad, disciples and apprentices of Jesus who will do the same thing, that though people don't deserve it, they haven't made the steps to make it right, they haven't made the first move, yet we, and don't stand there in opposition and waiting, we make the first move, we move in the same way that Jesus did to bring reconciliation and restoration to relationships with us so that Jesus might be given the glory. Remember, you are just the moon. You are not the sun. But you have the ability to reflect the pureness of hope 
of love, of peace, of goodness, of kindness into the very darkness that exists. And so when you walk into the room, if darkness is only the absence of light, the moment that you walk in the room, you reflect the light that comes from the sun. Do you know you have that ability? That everywhere you walk, darkness flees. Because the, you are the dwelling of the invisible God. That the invisible God dwells in your body. So when you walk into the room, the same light that changed all of human existence changes when you walk in the room. Let's pray. Father, some of us need, some of us need a good dosing. A good dosing of your love, of hope, of joy, of peace. Man, maybe some of us are such in a hectic and chaos moment of our life and that we can't create in our own way enough peace or joy. But God, we need you. We need the hope and the joy that comes from you to lay so heavy on our hearts and our mind and our lives that it changes us. It changes us from the very core of our being. Father, some of us are desperate for the light that comes from you. That we feel like we are in a present darkness that seems overshadowing that we are on a tear totter and it is about to tip the scales that Jesus, you are about to be overtaken. But God, you said that your son is the way, the truth, and the life. That he is the light of the world and dark, wherever darkness exists, that when Jesus enters the room, it runs and hides. God, we'll be a church. Would we be a church that when we enter in the room, that people feel hope? Enter into the present darkness. That our homes, our workplaces, wherever we enter in, that it feels different. Because we walk in, not that we are the sun, but that we carry with us. Holy Spirit who is able to do more than we dare dream. This is what I desire. This is what I think you desire for us is that we change not for our own glory but for yours. Father, to you be the glory forever and ever. Amen.